time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Tuesday, June 30th, 2020. We are one day away from scratching off the month of June. Can you guys believe it? I say that every time we've been scratching off days of the uh, week here and, you know, weeks and months. It's just, I don't know, things have been flying by. Uh, I can't believe it's been a few months now since the whole lockdown started. And it, it seems like we've come a long way since you know, March 15th, give or take, but also at the same time, you know, not as much progress as we'd like. So anyway, it's crazy that uh, the month of June has flown by as fast as it has. I am uh, so thankful for so many different people who've come on the program the past month. It's just been incredible. And we continue to build this, this program guys, it just uh, so many different guests and so many different topics. Uh, it's going to continue to grow as we move into these summer months here. One thing I wanted to mention guys is that if you listen to our show through the Anchor app, there is a uh, there's a part on the Anchor app where you can go in and leave a voice message. So uh, we we've heard feed, feedback from people in email or social media platforms and such. But one cool feature the Anchor app has, and even if you don't listen to the podcast through the Anchor app, even if you just download the Anchor app just for this uh, feature, you can go into our podcast you can leave a voice message. So it would be like you're uh, you're leaving like a voice message, like a voicemail, right? So the cool thing is if it's something that we can, you know, feature on the program or, or you're asking a question, you leave a 20-second voice message uh, saying, uh, you know, who you are, where you're from, and that, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Or you have a question or a topic. We can then play that segment on our program, almost like it's a caller from a show. Uh, you know, not really, we can't have a conversation like that, but, uh, the, the, the video, or excuse me, the audio clip will, will then play. And then I can go in and, and answer a question or maybe comment on something. So if anyone's interested in that, uh, you can go in the anchor app. I think you scroll all the way to the left. It is, and it'll say audio message, play around with it. If anybody's interested and like to do that, uh, we can put that into any episode, uh, and I will do so uh, as we see fit, just to kind of what, whatever fits along with our topics and everything. But anyone who's curious uh, in doing that, uh, definitely uh, go for it, and, and we'll see what we can do to uh, to put it in a program. Uh, guys, our today, excuse me, our guest today is Jason Ramos. Uh, Jason works for the YMCA. He works in Westchester, which is in West Los Angeles, kind of over by uh, LAX, actually. He's been working with the YMCA quite a long time. Uh, he does great work. He's a real Hondo Prep graduate, of course, right, from uh, the class of 1999. Jason was unique in the sense that he played on three uh, championship football teams at Real Hondo Prep. He was actually a freshman uh, in the uh, when they lost in the CIF final. So he played in four consecutive CIF finals, lost the first one, won the next three. I, I, we talk all about it on this uh, on our interview, but Jason is one of the, the best football players I've ever seen. And I mean that. I've, I've refereed 
uh, you know, Division Three junior college, a, a couple of Division One AA games, and, and I truly mean that. He is one of the best football players, pound for pound, I've ever seen. Uh, just a, a nice, nice guy, but you put the helmet and shoulder pads on him. He's a completely different guy. <laughs> anyway, these days, he is an associate executive director for YMCA Los Angeles. He's been doing it a long time. He loves working with kids and, and the youth, and, and he will talk a lot about, about what that whole experience has been like. He's got obviously some background being a member of Care Youth League and then all the things that you're involved in with Rio Hondo Prep and such. Uh, but he'll touch on all that. It's a really fun interview. I do want to say with Jason, it was kind of like, let's see, roughly roughly three. Well, there's three segments. They're roughly each about 25 minutes, give or take. Uh, the first segment, we have some audio issues. After our, after that segment, uh, it, it, get, it gets a lot better. It's a lot more clear. Uh, his audio was cutting in and out a little bit. So bear with us. Uh, we apologize. Uh, we, we sorted it out after the first 20, 25 minutes or so. So uh, his interview goes a little over an hour, and it was just a lot of fun catching up with Jason. Um, not only is Jason, uh, you know, will comment on some of the, some of the things going on these days, but um, he has some uh, experience with uh, law enforcement in his family that he'll touch on um, at the very end of our interview. Um, I didn't ask Jason, but, but he brought this up um, on his own. Uh, Jason was actually in the, uh, in the crowd at the Las Vegas shooting in 2017. I believe it was, I could have is either 17 or 18, but uh, September uh, at the Jason LDN concert. It was actually a Route 91 country concert, but Jason LDN was on stage. Anyway, um, Jason was willing to talk about that and being in the crowd that day and and kind of why he has a, a extreme gratitude for law enforcement. So be sure to listen to the whole interview. The last uh, 15 minutes or so, Jason goes into that, and I was just extremely grateful that he was willing to share that. I, I didn't want to ask because it was uh, kind of a – uh, a very difficult time, but um, he and his wife were there that day, and he will share some of his thoughts on that. So be sure to tune in, uh, or I should say, listen to the entire interview. And, and he gets into that, like I said, towards the very end. Again, I apologize for the first twenty minutes or so, but after that, it's pretty loud and clear, and you don't want to miss any of the the fun stories Jason has, whether it be uh, carry youth league outings or. Uh, playing varsity football or just some of the things he's done in his adult life. It was just an absolute blast to catch up with him. He was someone I really looked up to uh, as a kid, as a kid in junior high even, and just a, a great guy. It was really fun catching up with him. Uh, I do want to touch on a story that broke on – it was actually Sunday. We didn't get a chance to put it on yesterday's program. But the New England Patriots signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal. Uh, it's very intriguing for many reasons. Uh, obviously, it shocked uh, the NFL that uh, you know they they made that move. Cam Newton, for whatever reason, had not been picked up by uh, other teams, and the Patriots always seem to do these things. That's all I can say. They always seem to uh, make the the unique uh, pickup, if you will. I mean, they've gone after guys that uh, maybe had some trouble in their past. I don't put Cam Newton in that category, really. Uh, as far as trouble, he's just kind of been a guy that's just been a little different than everyone else. Um, I think if Cam Newton focuses more on the day-to-day operations uh, and being a New England Patriot than he does um, his uh, his various wardrobes that he wears uh, to games or after games, 
I think if he uh, puts less effort into the wardrobe choices, that uh, this could be an interesting uh, pairing, we'll say. I Look, it, I've been very skeptical of Cam Newton over the years. Um, I think he's a big guy. I'm not a huge fan of the running quarterback. Uh, it's something that everybody just falls in love with. And I just think over time, it, 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 quarterbacks, uh, yeah, they, they may or maybe not touched as much as they are or have been in the past with the new rules and everything. But I just don't think you want your, your most important player running the ball, risking getting hit. And Cam's a big guy. He's been hit many times. Um, I'm not a huge fan of his. I'm not going to sit here and, and say that I am. I do think he's a great talent. Um, he, he throws a pretty good deep ball. He's really struggled the past few years. And a lot of it has to do with injuries. Um, obviously Carolina wanted to move in a different direction. Um, I, I will say this. I think one of the best marriages ever in sports was Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Uh, I don't think marriages, uh, are always, uh, smooth or, or peaceful necessarily. Uh, but you cannot argue with the results. Um, nine Super Bowls, six victories. And, you know, uh, it, it's just, it ended, I'm sure, maybe different than they wanted. But I think Cam Newton coming in is really going to show the type of person Bill Belichick is. Is Bill Belichick a guy that can, he's had the same quarterback for whatever it's been, uh, let's see, about 20 years, roughly. And uh, they've had some backups here and there. They had, they had Jimmy Garoppolo. They traded him away. Uh, there's a whole bunch of factors going into this. But I think it's very intriguing, this Bill Belichick, Cam Newton. I'm not going to call it a marriage because it's, a, as of now, a one-year deal. I think it's almost like a test run. If it goes well, I could see them then signing uh, Cam Newton a little longer. I also feel this, though. If there's any pushback or Cam Newton, uh, you know, shows any attitude or uh, struggles at all, I could see Bill Belichick moving on, going back to Jared Stidham, saying, hey, this guy's been here at least a little while longer than you, and we're going to roll with him. Um, I I just think Belichick is a no-nonsense guy. He's obviously had his disagreements with the great Tom Brady. And and Tom, excuse me, uh, Cam Newton has been to a Super Bowl. He's been an MVP. Um, That was a long time ago, and he's struggled since then. But I still think – If Cam Newton buys into the whole Patriot way of doing things and buys into, he's going to be, he's going to have to one way or another. You're not going to, you're not going to win the locker room over Bill Belichick. You're just not, at least those are my thoughts. I, again, this is just opinions and commenting. Uh, I think it's a very unique signing. I, I, I just do. I think I'll say this forever. The AFC East has been a laughingstock and the Patriots have owned it, obviously. Uh, there's been countless quarterbacks and coaches uh, with the other teams, and those are the New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, and the Miami Dolphins. Um, I'll say this, though, now. What those three teams have done the past year, maybe a couple of years in building, I think they're all three headed in a good direction. I think they all three now have the quarterbacks they want. Uh, the coaches are doing really good things. And if you look at those teams, all three of them, I think they are very good defensively. So I think it's going to be a real interesting season in the AFC East this year. Whether Cam Newton is the quarterback all year or not, I think Belichick is really going to – I don't think this is Belichick uh, kicking and screaming coming into the 21st century with the running quarterback thing. I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he's going to try to take a talent like Cam and not restrict him, but just try to uh, you know, 
mold him a little bit more like Belichick does with all players. And I think if Cam is not smart in his decision-making and the way he goes about his business, I think that the defenses in the AFC East could really eat him up. The Buffalo Bills are a good defense. They were in the playoffs last year. Miami Dolphins, they, they definitely built through defense. Uh, you could say they, they struggled, but they finished strong last year. Uh, the New York Jets, very good defensive uh, personnel. Uh, young quarterback who's unproven, uh, same thing with the Dolphins. But again, those teams are pretty strong defensively. And I think having to play those three teams six times uh, could make or break the Patriots season, which is ironic because for years it's really been the uh, the Patriots able to just kind of coast through those games and get five or six wins in the division every year. Um, so it's going to be real interesting. I think uh, – I don't think – you got strong personalities in Bill Belichick and Cam Newton. Uh, I think Cam is going there with a chip on his shoulder. Um, I think a lot of different guys have gone to the Patriots who have that chip on their shoulder and for different reasons. You know, most recently, Antonio Brown, he only lasted, what, a game. That guy's just a head case, and he's got all kinds of things going on. Um, but, you know, you saw Randy Moss who came in kind of with some baggage and uh, Corey Dillon. Uh, countless players and maybe a few even that didn't work out. And I'm not, and again, I'm not saying Cam Newton has a bunch of baggage. He just has this personality really that I've never liked at the quarterback position, a little too flashy for me. Uh, I'm not trying to be the old man in the room, but that's just kind of how I feel. So it's a unique situation with the signing Cam Newton to the Patriots. I do think they instantly become more relevant. They become more interesting for sure. I think if nothing else, it's going to push Jared Stidham who, uh, it's probably just your average backup quarterback, uh, but who knows? I, I've learned if I've learned uh, nothing else in, in this life as an NFL fan and uh, you know just overall sports fan is that you don't count out the New England Patriots. You just don't. I mean, Tom Brady's not there anymore, but man, until that guy with the hooded sweatshirt with the short sleeves uh, leaves that sideline, I just think they can do anything, and they're willing to do anything. So it's going to be an interesting football season for a lot of reasons. I mean, there could be some you know, kneeling during the national anthem. There could be all kinds of things going on, but the NFL is still king in this country. Um, you know, some people are turning away from it, but there's some really good storylines, if nothing else. And, uh, you know, the NFL, man, it's, uh, it's well, it's June, but it's, it's going to be July here soon. Uh, it, it's coming around here before we know it. So a lot of interesting storylines. I think Cam Newton to the Patriots. I'm not. I'm not selling. Or excuse me. I'm not buying it. A hundred percent. I don't know what the tactic is with Belichick and the whole thing, but uh, I don't know. Let's let's not get too excited. But I think it's interesting to say the least. Um, I think if there is a tug of war, and I don't know if there will be or not, uh, Belichick's going to win that one every time. So it will be very interesting to see how this all plays out. Two very different personalities uh, coming together. And there's a lot more players and coaches out there than just those two, but uh, it's, it's going to be interesting for sure. Well, guys, let's move into our interview with Jason Ramos. Again, I, I mentioned it. There's some audio issues in the first segment, but uh, you know what? It's, it's going to, it's a, it's a good interview. Just give it time. It'll clear up here a, a little bit after a few minutes. So th- big thank you to Jason. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this, whether you're a real Hondo prep uh, alum or not. Uh, I know you're getting a lot of real Hondo prep people these days, but uh, you know, those are the people I know guys. So I uh, just got to have to bear with me, you non real Hondo prep people. <laughs> anyway, guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll get right to our interview with Jason Ramos. <music> 
Okay, joining me today is Jason Ramos. Jason works for YMCA Los Angeles. He actually works in the uh, the Westchester uh, area of Los Angeles as an associate executive director. He's been working for YMCA for a long time. Uh, we're going to get into all that in a second. I knew him from Real Hondo Prep. He was a few years older than me. He's from the class of 1999. We're going to talk a lot of football. We're going to talk a lot about Care Youth League, a lot of different things. But first off, let's welcome him to the program. Jason Ramos, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. <laughs> awesome, man. Have you had an opportunity, Jason, to to listen to uh, some of the podcasts? How did you kind of hear about the podcast? Yeah, through, I think, Facebook, somebody, I don't know if the first one I heard was, I think Steve Almond, I think I saw his, that he was going to be on it. And so just checked it out, kind of wanted to catch up with him a little bit. And then that just led me to, to kind of just jumping around and hearing different people you've had on. Um, and so it's been it's been cool. It's exciting to and fun to hear, uh, obviously, people that you're connected to in the past. And um, and I'm always, you know, excited to, again, hear, hear from other people, but then also hear perspectives from from you and from people you've connected with. So it's, it's been it's been fun just putting it on, whether whether I'm driving or working out in the in the yard. Nice. Well, we take all the listeners we can. And I knew when I started doing interviews that I knew a lot of different people from different times at Rio Hondo Prep and, you know, minor league baseball and all the different things I've gone through. So some of my friends are like, man, you got a lot of Rio Hondo people on. I'm like, well, I, I know a lot of them and they're all they're all doing uh, great things. So I thought I'd reach out. <laughs> but we'll get into all, all the Rio stuff here soon, Jason. But but first, tell me tell me about uh, working for the YMCA, you've done it a while, right? And and how did you how did you kind of get into to that line of work? Yeah, you know, I mean, we'll get into it, but it kind of ties obviously back to care in my Rio days of of coaching and working with kids and feeling like I was giving back to the community during that time. But after I got out of out of high school, I worked with uh, an after school program through the police department for a few years, which I really enjoyed. Uh, but then after that, I just got into I was working for um, university over in Pasadena, just as a security guard, which was, you know, it was a cool job. Um, you know, got to see a lot of things and, and experience some stuff and learn a lot, but I didn't feel, I kind of felt like I was just clocking in and clocking out. I would, didn't have that, um, you know, real fulfillment with the job. Um, and so I started kind of looking for something I could go back and kind of give back to and the YMCA popped up. So I was like, all right, well, there was a part-time kind of coaching position, um, which I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do this for a little while till I maybe find something else. Um, and then I got in and started part-time and then all of a sudden it was full-time. And then next thing you know, 10 years later, and uh, I'm still with the Y. So it, it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a wonderful, it's a, it's a great organization, very um, you, you know, uh, impactful in the community. When I'm, when I'm going to work, I'm not checking in and checking out um, is my thought process. I'm going in, feeling I'm being impactful and giving back to the community and, um, you know, just like I, people get, gave to, you know, gave to me in terms of giving the opportunity of having care after school programs to be a part of that were super impactful for me. Um, so just trying to do my part a little bit. Um, and so that's kind of how I got back in, or got into the why. Well, Jason, I know you grew up in, in Pasadena and, you know, working at Caltech, that's in Pasadena. W were your, your first interaction working at the YMCA was also kind of in the Pasadena area? 
Yeah, you know, I I didn't really actually too much remember too much. My parents said I learned to swim at the Pasadena Y, um, but the Pasadena Y kind of dissolved a little bit um, over the time period, which I didn't even really kind of know as I was growing up and going to care. Um, and so actually the, the Y I started in was actually the South Pasadena Y, which wasn't too far from Pasadena where I was living. But uh, yeah, that's where I got my, my career started. And, and, you know, we both grew up in grew up in Cary Youth League. So uh, I think any, a lot of people listening to the show kind of relate to that, but, but just explain to us, you know, we, we all know what the, the YMCA is and, uh, but we may not know kind of uh, the day-to-day things that go on there. I mean, is, are there different age groups? Is it, is it strictly an after-school program? Are there competitive teams? Kind of, kind of give us a broad, uh, a broad uh, picture, if you will, of the, the entire uh, YMCA, at least in your early experiences working there? Uh, kind of like a breakdown. So there's the but for, uh, the U.S., there's the Y of the USA that kind of governs all YMCAs. So they have protocols and those things that, that any Y has to follow. And from there, a Y can be independent, which means it could be on its own in a city, you know, just working in that way, or it can be part of an association. So the Y that I worked at at South Pasadena is part of the LA Association, which there's 25, 26 other branches um, that are spread all the way from Anlo Valley to Torrance, um, Downey, kind of all over. Umbrella, which has, you know, which is, it's good because you have uh, support. There's a main hub um, that can support for HR and, you know, resource and all of those things. So it's kind of the, the makeup of what the Y looks like. And then each individual branch, um, most are, you know, the, the Y's goal has always been to cater to the needs of the community. So it's not something where we try to just run programs to run programs. The idea that is, if there's an issue in the community, then we try to face, you know, kind of to tackle that. And so the Y's kind of turned into a lot of them are, are gyms. Um, because there was a lot of, you know, issues with obesity and, and those things. So, you know, we kind of turn our focus to being gym as kind of the hub of what, what we do. I have mem- you can pay membership, come in, work out. Some have pools, some on the Y and the location. And then from there, each branch kind of then started running programs that are going to affect the community as well outside of the four walls. Uh, so for me, I, my kind of realm was, was youth sports. So we ran um, we run different different youth sports programs again, depending on each why. Um, big one that most of the branches branches run are are uh, basketball, youth basketball, which is junior Clippers right now. Um, and then uh, from there, depending on again the community, whether it's soccer or um, baseball or football or flag football. We don't I don't think any why does tackle football, but flag football. Um, so we're running those sports programs to help the community. Then there's also other programs such as our Youth and Government and Model United Nations program, which is kids coming in middle school and high school where they're doing basically a mock government where they, you know, they join up as a branch and they, we go up to uh, and the program ends up in Sacramento. We take over the Capitol. The kids get to write bills and debate bills. And it's 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 awesome uh, program. Then we have then part of that. We also have after school programs. Some are held at the branch where kids can come to the branch and some are held at school. So the kids get out of school and they just go to a bungalow that's ran by YMCA staff. Um, and so kind of all those programs. And then we have our summer camp programs. We have a, a camp up in Big Bear. Um, there's a t- uh, camp, 
Round Meadow and Camp uh, Whittle, which I was a part of uh, Camp Whittle for my time period of taking kids up there, which was very similar to going to Mount Care, um, which was awesome to be a part of, Such so impactful for the kids. And then we also have mm-hmm. a group up in Mammoth, uh, which I used to take kids up there, which was amazing to get kids out of the city and detach from electronics and just <laughs> the outdoor. So uh, that's kind of you know a little bit of the wine in a, in a nutshell um, for, for people that may or may not know uh, what the wine is all about. Well, I got to tell you, it sounds uh, really familiar, <laughs> all the things <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Care Youth League does a lot of these same things. And, and yeah, uh, I could definitely see you excelling the way you have in the YMCA program. Let, let me ask you a quick question uh, about that. Do you think, do you think uh, numbers, have you seen your numbers in kids and activity kind of go down the past few years, just kind of where we're at in society? Do you think kids are playing less and less sports? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on kind of those things? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I think there, it's a combination. I think it has gone down a little bit. Um, in terms of, yeah, kids just playing sports, either it's gone down because they're, it's hard to know if, if it's because kids aren't playing as much sports because they're doing other things like electronics or that thing, or if there's more um, options of sports, right? There are a lot more specialty, specialty camps or a lot more programs that have popped up over the time um, that then pull kids away from, from programming. So I don't know if it's a combination of both or, um, or that sort of thing, you know, it's, it's hard, it's kind of, I think it's hard to, hard to tell. Um, when I was running the program at South Pasadena, we had about our biggest program was our, our winter basketball season. It had about 900 kids in it. Um, and, and then summer was about 600 kids and that stayed pretty consistent. I think, you know, I haven't been, I left South Pass in like 2016. Um, and so I don't know. I think the they might have gone down a little bit again. I don't know what all the factors are that are going into it. Well, yeah, it's uh, those are, I mean, those are some big numbers. That's, that's a lot of kids, uh, <laughs> no matter what you're doing. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I've seen, I've seen like a decline. It seems like I know cares numbers have been down sometimes they, they mm. go up and down a little bit, but mm. you know, just youth sports. I think you, you don't necessarily have those community youth sports anymore. I think there's so much, so many kids are going into uh, the, like the specialized uh, programs. And, and what I mean is like, you know, the travel basketball, the mm. travel leagues in baseball and even soccer, whatever you want to call it. Right. And, and so I think there's less activity involved involvement in kids uh, their own community because it seems like they go off other places to uh, to try to play you know one sport and get to a higher level I guess yeah you know I, I you know the wise our focus was always um, that it was you know kind of a little bit like here but it, you know in the younger age where our goal is everybody who comes in plays right because my my whole thought process with it is two things one kids can't learn or can't get better if they're not playing right if I'm the worst kid in in on the team if I never get I'm not going to build confidence I'm not going to learn all these great things that sports offer besides you know learning the sport if I don't get a chance to play so the why um, is everybody everybody plays everybody plays the same amount it doesn't matter if it's the last game and you're up by two or down by two 
um, the rotation still comes in because everybody gets a chance to play is important. The other thing I think that we're lacking, and I think I remember if Rick was talking about it and you guys got into a little bit about specialization. um, I think that's, for me, if I looked at it, if I was to be, when I was young, I would have, I would have said football. I was a big kid um, and I wasn't good at basketball. I wasn't that good at baseball. So I would have said, okay, I just want to play football. Um, But as I got older, um, especially getting out of high school, you know, I love basketball and I play it, you know, I played it all the time and it was a great way to stay in shape and have fun and connect with people, which I wouldn't have been able to do if I had got exposed to just learning one playing football, right? I would have got out and been like, well, I can't do anything else. I'm not going to play college ball. So I don't really have a sport to play. So I think it's important to one. I think a lot of times kids don't necessarily know what they want to do fully, right? Like I put, I played all three sports or all four sports because I care. You just, that's what you played. Right. And so you didn't know any better and you played them and like, we got, you know, got to play it and be exposed to that and learn skills and have some fun. And I think that's when, you know, when you specialize, you're losing out on the fun, you're losing out on being exposed to different sports. Um, you're over specializing. So kids are getting hurt, right? Like kids are, if you're throwing a, a baseball all year long, like you're going to throw your arm out, right? Something's going to happen. Um, and so I think it's important that kids get to play all should play all sports and get around a good variety in um, and be exposed to a lot. And, and, and you can make your decision when you get, you know, older of, of what, what direction you're going to go um, and still be a great athlete, if you know, in college or or beyond, you know? Yeah. To me, I think, you know, you look at Rio and care and, and one thing they do a really good job of is yes, it's based around sports, but you learn to do a lot of different things. You're not, you know, you, you in musical instruments, uh, some choreography, uh, the debate teams or mock trial. I mean, you, all these different things you do, Christmas plays, uh, all these different things. And, and it's just, it's an example, really. We love sports and, and sports is important, I think, because to do multiple sports, especially young, you learn so many different lessons. Maybe you're better in one than the other. You know what it's like to be a really good player in one sport, but a role player in another sport. I mean, there's so many lessons, you know, and even if you're not very good, like you said, I mean, you you learn that, Hey, uh, some guys sports that I love, my teammates uh, uh, aren't very good, but, but, a sport they love where I'm not very good. It's, it's a fine balance. So I think there's a lot of lessons to learn with multiple sports. And so that's why I think it's good that, that, uh, you know, organizations like, like the ones you're involved in that, yeah, you do play multiple sports and try a bunch of different activities. Yeah. And, and the other thing for me is sports kept me out of trouble, right? Like I was, <laughs> if I, it was, you know, my parents knew that if I was doing something bad or getting in trouble and they were like, you're not going to play in your game. It was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll do, I won't do it again. You know, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss a practice. I didn't want to miss a game. Uh, but if I feel like I got through, after I'd be like, well, I can do it. Uh, <laughs> around again. But you know, being able to, like I said, playing the multiple sports, being part of a team, um, and like I said, I, I totally agree with you. Learning to play different levels of saying, "Hey, I'm really good at this, but not so good at this," and being able to take on those different roles translates into life, right? Translates into everything when you when you're working and you're on a team and you know, you realize that, hey, you may be really strong in, in this part of your job and not so much here. And you learn how to work with others and ask for help and, and develop those skills versus just kind of staying to what you know and not. 
being a well-rounded, you know, worker or employee mm-hmm. or person. Oh, very much so. I mean, uh, we've, we've heard a lot of that over these past few podcasts with the different coaches and people who've been involved in sports. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think we're all on the same page on that. Uh, Jason, you work as the associate executive director in Westchester now out by, uh, kind of just out by LAX kind of mm-hmm. West LA. Uh, so, so what can you tell me about kind of your, your, your job out there now as kind of a, an associate executive director and, and kind of what it's like now for you these days, uh, working out there in West LA. Yeah, it's been, it's been great from actually South Pasadena Y and was a senior director there and ran programs and then moved down to the Fullerton Y and worked down there for a little bit and then came back to the LA association as the association sports director. So I was helping all the sports, um, all the branches with sports um, and working with our relationships with the Clippers and the, and the Kings. And as we developed relationship with the galaxies and all of those things was that role. Um, but then I realized um, this position at the at the branch came up specifically at Westchester to be an associate executive director, which was going to really give me the experience to take me to that next level to one day be able to run my own branch. Um, so I interviewed and I, I got the position. Um, and so now what I, what associate executive director does is they're in charge of day to day operations at, at the branch. So you're at the facility. Um, so you're overseeing, making sure the facility is running well, um, anything that needs to be fixed or, you know, issues with members and all of that, you're kind of overseeing all of it along with programs. So I was in charge of the, oversaw the six or so uh, directors and oversaw, you know, supervised them running their programs, but the main operations. Oh, okay. And, and I got to imagine because, you know, okay, there's a lot of after school stuff, but there's got to be a lot of weekends stuff too. So does that mean you're kind of working a lot of weekends as well, just because it's the nature of the business? Up until kind of a couple of years, a lot of weekends because in evenings because the sports and those programs. Now that I moved into this role, um, I do, it's mostly um, Monday through Friday, um, kind of extended hours. You're working 10, 12 hour days. Um, and so those kind of vary a little bit. The weekends, it's kind of nice to transition the position, not as much. We still have programming that I have to go into here and there, but, uh, but not as much anymore. Now it's mostly Monday through Friday. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, you told me, uh, before the show here that you're living in Anaheim Hills and, uh, you're talking Monday, the Friday traffic, man, driving to Westchester. Uh, that's gotta be just rough. It sounds like you got plenty of time to listen to podcasts though. <laughs> yeah, sure do. Um, yeah, I met my wife. Um, she lives down here in orange County and and she has a great job. And, um, so we kind of, you know, I'd, I'd rather, you know, I'm okay driving wouldn't want her to drive as much. And, um, so we kind of settled here in Anaheim Hills, bought our first home here. It's beautiful. We love it. Um, and the drive, yeah, at times it can be a lot, but usually that's my time to, yeah, put a podcast on, put, put some music on, just, you know, <laughs> get in my own headspace, think about the day or de- decompress any of those, leave all those work stuff by the time I get home or way gone. Um, and then just enjoy time being home. Uh, so, but yeah, it is, it's, you know, the traffic trying to play, like leaving really early or kind of later trying to figure it out. Um, but usually it's about an hour, 15 or so uh, there and back or one way. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of your standard uh, commute these days out here in Southern California. That's that's pretty crazy. But mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, Jason, 
Well, one last thing, which is kind of the YMCA. Uh, where is there? Is there a? I'm, I'm sure you can Google it or whatever. But is there a specific website uh, that listeners could check out? Maybe how to become more involved in YMCA, whether it's Los Angeles, or Orange County, or what? What would you suggest as far as a uh, gathering information for listeners? I think so, um, you can either search YMCA's by your city. Um, metropolitan Los Angeles branches, then you'll kind of see all the different ones that are in the association and be able to click on that and then see more information. The uh, wise in this, this time, right. Now, having, you know, struggles, we were the, the why all the wise closed down. Again, we've lost a, a, a lot of members um, over this time period. And so we're really looking for the community support to, uh, to keep to keep us open, to keep us going, because uh, the YMCA does again the the membership and the gym is just a part of helping fund a lot of the other programs that that we do in in the community and and you know so yeah if you can support your local Y community nonprofit whether it's with funds or time volunteering giving giving that um, of of your time goes so far even if it's a one day event you. Uh, you know, you give your time for it goes, it goes so far and the impact um, is felt, you know, beyond more than you can. Uh... Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Yeah. I think any, anytime communities can get involved or kids are out playing ball or, or just doing different activities, it's a good thing. I'd really like to see uh, us, us kind of get back to some of those things after, you know, after kind of all these months off and everything, it's a work in progress, but we'll get there eventually. I know that. Yeah. Well, 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 Jay, well, Jason, tell me about yeah, growing up in Care Youth League. What, you know, how did everyone has their own story of how they started? I mean, you're living in Pasadena. You grew up in Pasadena, I should say. Right. I mean, what was it? You knew someone else who did it. I know you have an older brother, Dave, but what was the process? Did it just happen one day, or or was it kind of something you guys, the family, knew you guys would always get involved in? Yeah, you know, it was. It's kind of funny. I'll tie it all back in full circle, but you know, my one of the things we were you know, we were watching a lot of TV and um, not, you know, wanting, you know, not getting out as much as we should. And my parents decided to want to get us, get us doing something and playing sports. And they actually, I remember uh, they took us to a, a little league. I think it was little league um, baseball game. Like my dad, we went to go look and he was going to like sign us up for it. And even at that time, you know, my dad's there and there's, there's people, you know, they're yelling and people are cussing and you know, and my, my dad's like, they haven't even started, they haven't even joined yet. And this is kind of the environment. So he's like, that's, you know, which didn't kind of obviously play well with him. And then I think he heard, heard about care through their work at the time. I think it was just kind of a, a work friend, not a real close family friend about care and that, you know, that the, the ideas behind it and that, you know, that it was, a, a you know, had some good, good morals and, and those sort of things. And so they took us over and, we got in, started, I think I started at six or so um, and, and never looked back from there. Um, so it was, that's kind of my, my start was it was the bad little league experience, then transition into care. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. And, and who were some of your uh, coaches and leaders as you progress? I know you guys played for, for Indian, uh, you know, in your Cary Youth League days, but what are some of your memories of, of Cary Youth League and some of your leaders when you were a young kid? Yeah, we had, um, so I played with, so I'm, I'm a, I played with kids that were, you know, a year older, 
because I'm I'm kind of a late birthday, so I played with kids older like Andre Gonzalez, Chantelis, those that class, so like the '98 class is is the people that I played with. Um, but we started with uh, like Coach John Martin, um, which um, him and oh, he had an assistant coach who used to live right by Karen, and his name is is dropping. They they were awesome. They um, you know we had so much fun. We learned a lot. Um, they were so invested in us. Like I have you know nothing but great praises for John uh, Martin and, and giving us that experience you know right away. Um, and then also had uh, Steve Martin was um, was my coach for and I coach he was my coach and I coached with him. Mr. Parker coached me for a while. Um, Mr. Loomis, um, we had my we weren't awesome um, sports too too much, but uh, we combined with uh coral for like two years and mr loomis coached us and we had a run where we won i think every championship for like <laughs> baseball basketball football soccer football or something uh just <laughs> when we combined we got a couple good athletes and uh, and we're able to run the table a little bit so it was kind of fun to go from not winning too much to winning to back to not winning too much but uh uh so <laughs> kind of had a combination of 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 all different um different coaches and and the other part of it is that they were so great. And I, if, if we're still doing, if care still does coaches still do outings. I mean, we used to do outings all the time and they were legit outings that I'm sure some of them you couldn't do anymore. Um, I was thinking about this today. Like one of them, Mr. Steve Martin took us to our team. We, we were doing like an overnight up in the mountains somewhere. We did this treasure hunt, which ended with like finding a bag of candy and we were like walking all together and Mr. Martin's telling us the story. And then two guys come out, grab our bag of candy, grab our assistant coach at the time and take off running, jump in a car and take off. And we were like, we were like what? Like we're like chasing them, but I like, kind of not, but like, you know, you're like, and then he like, he like jumped in the bus and he like, I remember he drives downhill and gets to a, you know, a payphone and hops out and he's like calling everybody in the bus is like freaking out, kind of like not sure what's happening. And then he comes back in. He's like, oh, just kidding. It was a prank joke or whatever. And it was so funny because I look back on that and it was like fun, scary stories. I remember we were supposed to stay that night, but everybody's like, uh, let's go back. So we ended up going back, back to care and like <laughs> stay in the night at, at, in a club room. But it was just, you know, that elaborate kind of thing where it was, you know, it was fun. Um, and, and Mr. Loomis one time did this made me think when you guys were talking about the play. Um, we had that big play prop gun that fired blanks. We did, yes. we did a, at care. We did it in Halloween. We did a, a scavenger hunt. And the last thing was in the wash area. I don't know if people, listeners, there was a wash that was right behind care that was fenced and people weren't really supposed to be going over there, but we'd always go over there and we were all running for like the treasure. And all of a sudden, Mr. Loomis, which we didn't know pops out with the trench coat, shoots the 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 gun off in the air we all just go skidding down like falling and then he just you know throws off his hat and he's laughing and we're all laughing and you know those are the ones where you, obviously they wouldn't be nowadays but you know those are the ones that any of you any of us on that team you talk about it we, we every time we see each other my buddy dre we we're just talking and we laugh and we say how much fun that was but like obviously again you <laughs> like you couldn't get that by anywhere now but uh, we've had so many, so many good things where our teams just got to go out and, and bond and hang out. And, um, you know, we had Rick Johnson uh, and Pete Clark, which 
you know, always calling Mr. Clark and Mr. Johnson. Um, and they, they did all these fun, fun outings with us that just helped really helped bond us together and really made us enjoy being part of, of something more than just kind of playing sports. So, um, sorry, I kind of got off on a tangent. No, hey, hey, go get after it, man. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Care, yeah, I, I, I remember a lot of the things you're saying. And yeah, leaders, they love playing pranks on, on, uh, on us youngsters and, and having some fun themselves. And yeah, so many things now just would not fly, <laughs> I guess. But man, uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was just about being together, hanging out. Like you said, yeah. it didn't have to go, whether it be a sports event or an outing. I mean, yeah, th- those are, those are memories that just last a lifetime because you do, yeah. boys do need that boy. I mean, I can't speak for the girl side of things, but boys right. do need that sense of adventure that, uh, you know, that, that, that camaraderie, that, uh, mystery, all that stuff that, right. that I think care does a good job of. I agree. And just, and getting out, like I was telling my brother with, with, with my nephew, my niece and playing like sports and stuff, sometimes they don't want to practice right and I remember feeling that like that at sometimes not wanting to go to practice um but just you know we'd go and we hang out and maybe it wasn't practice an outing but half the time you're playing games you're playing tag you're playing you know all these different games that is ways to get better right you're you're football you're trying to dodge somebody they can't you know can't touch you and you know running around and all those things that help you become a better athlete that you don't even know right it's those hidden learning things that um, that we always had we were always you know, running around, tackling each other, doing these, playing these different games that I never thought that, you know, you're just being a kid having fun. But when you look back on it, you're like, yeah, those, those are times that helping you become a better athlete as well by not, you know, you know what I mean? Those hidden learning things where it's not just, okay, get out there and, and go, you know, play football and we're going to run these drills. You're out having fun, playing with your friends, all those things. And you realize later on, that's like those things helped you become a better, a better athlete too, you know? <laughs> that, that's a good point. I've never, I've never thought of it that way, but uh, you know what? Yeah. Coaches got to be creative sometimes. That's, that's good stuff. Mm. <laughs> Thousand memories as I'm sure you, you have as well uh, running around the, the carry youth league campus in the wash, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> J- Jason, do you remember as, as a carry youth league kid, do you remember attending your first real Hondo prep football game, probably through an outing or something? You know, I, I don't remember if it was my first one, but actually my dad, my dad loves football and he, he actually took us to, um, from what I remember to our first game, like he wanted to, you know, go see, uh, I th- you know, my dad was, he liked watching sports and, and he knew that when our age was, was the nineties was Rick's, you know, that team and, and them being really good. And, um, and so he, you know, wanted to go watch the games and took us. And I remember, um, yeah, I remember going to the games. I remember seeing Rick, I have this, crazy and such a vivid image of being on the it was fun going to those games you could be so close I have such a vivid image of of Jeff Fairley like getting the ball and and getting hit like three or four times and just being that close to like seeing his face and his determination to like keep going and fight for every yard and that was crazy that that image stuck in me my head for so long Um, but yeah it was my dad taking us to the first one and then going with outings where it's funny where we would you know, most of the time we're playing on the field away from the, from the, you know, football or baseball. And then, you know, they would like coaches be like, Hey, something's going on. We'd all run back over and back and forth. But yeah, going to outings and and going to the games was, was, was so much fun. Yeah. You know, I remember going, I was a second grader and started, you know, we've had outings to the real Hondo prep varsity game and we started going to games and 
Uh, and eventually over time, my dad's a uh, same thing, a huge football fan. He started going to games and seeing what it was all about. Then we all start going together and it just became this thing that we fell in love with. Uh, and, and at the time, you know, my age, I was watching guys like you, you know, your teams in the, in the mid to late nineties. Uh, that's where I really fell in love with real Hondo prep football. And I probably didn't make the decision right then that I was yeah. going to go to Rio Hondo, but it was, it was, it was soon thereafter. And it was definitely a big element of it. Um, was it because of kind of going to those games and seeing things that, that you and your brother, I mean, you guys knew right off the bat, Hey, this is where we want to go to school. Your dad loving football too, or kind of, what was that process? Was it a no brainer? Was there some kind of thinking it over uh, if you were going to go to Rio Hondo or not? You know, I think just kind of looking back on it, um, as a kid, I think it just was, I'm going to just in my mind was always like, I'm going to, you know, keep going wherever my friends are going. Right. And so I just, as I got older, all the, all my friends, a lot of them were going to, to Rio. And, and so I think for me, it was just like, that was just my mind. That's like, well, that's, that's where I should, that's where I'm going to go. It just, I think I never really kind of thought about it. I think for my parents, wasn't doing so great as a, which is funny as a fourth grade. Uh, I was messing around, not doing homework and just being, you know, just being a not a bad, bad fourth grader, if you imagine. Um, and, and my parents, you know, put me in Rio and, and that totally changed me where, again, it put me around people that I, you know, that were doing good things. And I wanted to, you know, be around, being around them helped make me a better person and, you know, just never lost, never looked back. And for me too, at school, I wasn't great at school. Um, so being in a smaller school environment where I wasn't just getting lost in the mix was super helpful for me just personally um, growing wise. So um, yeah, I just kind of didn't even really like that. I don't remember there being like kind of a a conversation about it with my parents just, just happened. (laughs) That's something that I think is very underrated at Rio is that the classrooms are small. Uh, I'm with you. I I don't know how I would have done in another classroom uh, environment setting uh, I kind of needed, you needed that attention at times. Uh, I think some people, maybe parents are hesitant these days because it's a, oh, it's a pre- real Hondo preparatory. It's a, it's a private school. But at the same time, I've always said real Hondo does a really good job of making, uh, making average students great, making below average students good. Uh, you know, they, they, they elevate people and not just the classroom as we know, but all the other things. But I think that the classroom setting is definitely something that really contributes to, to its students. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's, all, there's, there's always multiple sides to, to it in terms of, you know, a smaller group that means less people you're connecting to, which can be good and bad, right? It depends on, you know, how you look at it and, um, you know, everything wasn't like like anything. Nothing nothing is perfect, right? Every everything has its challenges and its issues and things that need to adjust and get better and all of those things. Um, but yeah, I, for me, I think that the the small small class was was helpful for me um, of of keeping me focused and not getting lost in the mix. Again, like we talked about with with sports, I remember before before I went to care, like and and hardly ever did my homework. I didn't really, you know, just lie to my parents and kind of just, you know get by with it but you know got into Rio and you realize that's like if you if you miss if you miss one homework especially when you get into high school miss a homework or you know you, you're not playing in your game and and you have to stand on the sideline wearing your jersey or you know on the sideline and, and everybody's gonna ask you why aren't you playing today and you gotta tell them I you know I, I didn't do my homework right and I I remember just learning that at a young age too and seeing like that I'll never I never want that to happen to me and so 
um, you know, that helped keep me focused and, and doing those things that ended up obviously going to help me after high school that um, are important. You know, Jason, Real Hondo Prep is, is a special place. And, you know, I get a lot of, uh, I get a lot of stuff from my buddies. They're like, why are you always talking about your high school or, you know, what, what was all this Real Hondo Prep stuff? You know, I'm like, well, first of all, it's where I know a lot of people from, but you know what, unless you went through it, you're never going to truly understand it. It's just a special place. And one thing that's extremely special about it is the football program. The whole school's great, but Rio Hondo prep football is just, I don't know. It's just different. And yes, it was eight man football for a long time. It's now 11 man. What can you tell me, Jason, in, in why you find Rio Hondo prep football to be special? Try to explain it to those who, who maybe don't quite get it or, or just kind of your thoughts on, on what it's like to wear the, uh, you know, the red, white, and black. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause I always talk to my buddies and stuff too. And people that, you know, didn't, you know, when you're trying to talk about Rio and uh, for me, I always get, always gets black because I, you know, we played eight man. Uh, and so trying to explain that and always t- having those conversations, but uh, you know, for me, I think it's, it's one of those things where you look at it and it's uh, it's a small group of a small group of guys right, that have to come together to, to accomplish their goals, right? Um, it's, we're, we're pretty much, you know, when we were playing, even eight man, you have 16 guys in the roster, but from that 16, you know, you get a couple guys that get hurt. Um, it, you know, it, it, makes, it makes things very difficult. I remember um, coming in, I remember one high school, I think I was in seventh grade and the high, varsity had to, we had to stop, they had to stop the game because a couple guys, too many guys got hurt and there wasn't enough uh, enough people to play. Um, and I just, 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 you know, that, that idea of that, um, everybody's out there, like, you know, you're, you're grinding, you, you, you work hard, you sacrifice, um, you, you know, you go to the, you go on trips and you run every morning and you, and you get better. And as a, again, as a team, and you do so many things together, that bond that you have, have, um, with, with the guys next to you and, um, is, is, is something special. And so when you have that bond and then you make a, you know, you make a goal and, um, and you accomplish that goal. There's, you know, there's no, no better feeling. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's great to come in and just see that tradition of, of being a, you know, it's kind of the, you know, as, you know, referred to like David and Goliath type thing where, you know, people look at Rio and, you know, a lot of times looking at it as like, it's a small school They you know, that, you know, I feel like every time I felt like even when we were coming out of years of winning a championship, I never went into that next year thinking, um, oh, we're going to, we're just going to roll, you know, steam through everybody. I always felt like every game that I went to, went into was trying to prove that um, we're the underdogs and trying to prove that we're, you know, that we're here and that, um, that we can, you know, we can play with the the, the best of them and um, kind of all, I think that like maybe a little chip on your shoulder of always trying to, um, to do the best you can. Um, and also for me, I, I think part of it is, is um, trying to also win, you know, or lose, in, in the best light possible, right. Of, of, you know, I feel like being able to, to walk away from the game. And I hope, you know, I don't know, I don't know a lot of people that personally that I played against, but I hope those people could walk away from games that we played and whether we won or lost that they didn't look at us as, um, you know, somebody who, who was doing it the, the wrong way or doing it the right way and showing humility and, and, you know, at the end of the day and um, through, again, through winning or losing, um, you know, 
it was just difficult, obviously, you know, in high school age of, of being competitive and, and, you know, in the, in the trenches, you're, you're giving your all and you're going hard, but, you know, being able to, to, again, to say that, um, that you're doing it with honor and, and all of that stuff. So um, again, I, I don't know if I explained it well, but it, it stuff is just, I, I feel like when you go and watch, when you watch a real game, I would go back either the games that I watched when I was a kid or playing or going back and after when you go, there's, there's a, feeling that everything kind of connects, right? That it's, um, it's not right. You go out there and watch it's real Honda football, right? It wasn't, you know, for me, I mean, I was playing wanting to be like the guys I, you know, watched. And then I think that kind of transitions, um, but you go and it's not the real Honda prep football was one, one person or one thing, you know, um, I think it's just all kind of just amplified year after year that the idea of, of, a, of a small group underdogs, um, working hard, doing their best, coming together, and um, and being successful for the most part. Yeah, you know, it, nothing changes. It, it's it's been the same thing. Maybe the numbers are a little bigger now, and, and they're playing. But you know, they're playing eleven man with twenty guys, roughly, or twenty, you yeah. know, twenty five guys. It's the same <laughs> thing. I mean, and, and I find myself all the time, like, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll tune in on Facebook uh, to check check out how the team's doing on a Friday night, or if I know there's a big game, I'll, I'll try to get out to a game. Uh, you know, I, I've I've just always been uh, drawn to it. I stepped away from it for a long time, but yeah. it's still it's you know we put on those uniforms, Jason, and and it's fun to look back and see kids still doing it. And I think anyone who's honest with themselves, who played football and, and really excelled, if, if they if they check out their alma mater sometime, you know, they probably get similar feelings, too. I just I just don't think they want to admit it. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I mean, I, I always have a story and I don't know if your uh, your brother Sam's ever ever told you, but um, I so um, and I don't know what when this tradition started, maybe my brother's class with those guys, Marcelo, uh, Taglioni, Josh, those guys. Um, I don't know if it started them or, or before them, but we started doing um, after the game when we sing the alma mater, all the kids that would that we were talking about that would come to the outings would run out and grab our wristbands, right? Or we'd throw them out, kind of like, you know, you go to a UCLA game and always try to get a wristband or whatever. Um, and so that started happening and we'd always have to, you know, get wristbands before before the game, which probably drove my dad crazy, but he'd always go and get us wristbands and um, and the kids would, you know, would come and they'd take it from you and which was always fun to, you know, to do that and feel a little bit like a college player and, and whatnot. But I didn't, you know, at the time I didn't think a ton about it and fast forward, graduated a couple of years later, I went back, uh, Sam was, you know, we was in the championship game. Um, and, and I remember I went to the game and I was, we were all kind of like in the stands and the, the, all of, all the, all the guys came running over and we're all, you know, getting fired up and Sam looks at me and he kind of like points to his wrist, like the wristband kind of being like, Hey, this is your, your wristband. I'm wearing it. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, you know, kind of got like choked up a little bit. It was like, you know, kind of crazy. And then, you know, we watched the game. It was, it was a great game. It came down to the wire. Uh, if I remember being a low scoring game, um, real one, we rushed the field, you know, I'm running around on the field like a madman. Cause I, it's kind of weird, that weird thing where you don't know a lot of people cause you're, you know, graduated a couple of years or whatever. <laughs> uh, and I see Sam and, I run over, we, you know, we just give each other a big hug and he, and he gave me the, he gave me the wristband back and um, I still have the wristband today in, in, in my office. And, um, you know, it just, that, that kind of always stuck, stuck with me in terms of, um, you know, that couple of things, right. The, you realizing that that's, that connection is the same connection I had with, with the other guys that I watched playing that probably didn't even know that I, you know, 
Rick Johnson probably didn't know I idolized him and wanted to be him when I got on the football field. Right. And, um, and that connection and, and also kind of realizing that, um, that, which I've taken with me as much, you know, that, that there's always, you know, somebody watching, right. Um, yeah. Kind of always talk about this. Like when we go to summer camps and we're taking kids, we're, we're always talking to the counselors, like, dude, there's always somebody watching. There's, there's kids watching you all the time, whether you think they are or not. So the way you carry yourself and the way you are and how you behave, um, somebody's watching you and they're going to, they're either going to emulate the good things or the bad things. So it's important to, to really hold yourself with, with, with that strong character all the time, not just when, the lights are there when people are, are watching, you know? Um, and so that story always is super impactful to me and gets me fired up every time I, I think about it. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah. So, uh, but that, again, it's just kind of connecting that, that, that type of thing where we're all kind of having that, you know, level where, where you're, you're making an impact. You're not just, you know, you know, I don't know, playing, playing football and, and just going to right like right after to go, see the cheerleaders or something right like we're connecting with 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 youth that hopefully you had a positive impact and that they turned around and you know i hope that i had a positive impact on 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 kids coming up you know well well it's a great story and my brother you know i i remember all those years he had that wristband you know and and yeah we were kids we'd go to games and it was fun getting the players wristbands after games and then getting to wear that that wristband on, uh, on your game the next day at a carry youth league or whatever it's just right it's a great connection and yeah i remember you know it, that tradition started kept going i don't know if it is still these days but yeah, I remember you got to go to sport line on Friday afternoon, buy wristbands <laughs> for the game, uh, <laughs> and give them to kids. It's just a great story. I mean, yeah. you, you played uh, 90, 96, 97, 98, three-time CIF football champion. Uh, if, it, if it was 98, that my brother would have been 10 years old. So he so he hung on to that uh, yeah. and for seven years, won himself a CIF title. I mean, it's just it, – it's a great story. And, yeah, and awesome. Oh, Jason, and you talk about eight-man football. Well, let me tell you something. The middle linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys played eight-man football. So, you know, people that want to bash it and say, oh, you, you guys didn't – you know what? Sorry. Uh, you know, football's football. Now, yeah. that's it. I'm, I'm glad Rio's playing 11-man. Trust me. Because <laughs> uh, there's some really bad eight-man team. Oh, my goodness. But uh, yeah. anyway. But it was, it was tough when we were going through. It was that thing where, again, we – you know – like I said, a couple of years before, you know, I kind of got into high school, we had a team that didn't have enough guys and ended up not being able to finish a game because of it. So I get like it kind of slowly, you know, we would transition from like small school eight man to like large, large division, you know, and you kind of bumping up and you're like, are, are you there? And then you get there and you're playing, you're like, okay, we could have, you know, we, we, we ran through the league. We, we could have been up yeah. on another level. And like, we played a couple, my year, my junior, senior year, we played, we each, each, season we played one 11 man game kind of trying to start kind of getting you know seeing that trend was going that way and so we would play and I don't know if that continued after that um until they transitioned or not but we would play you know an 11 man game each season and so we're going from playing eight man to then an 11 man game to back to eight man and and we won both those 11 man games pretty handily so it was that was another eye-opener of like dude we could we could have been playing 11 man um no problem Oh yeah, and, and no that that continued well into the eleven man uh, days because we went eleven man our senior year, our junior year we played uh, three eleven man games I think as yeah. like a, a test period or maybe maybe it was just two whatever it was it yeah. uh, you know we won one we lost another one by one point uh, it, so it yeah. was just a. Uh, yeah, you, you, I, I was glad the administration was kind of testing things out and being like, okay, let's ev eventually get there. Uh, and, and, and I'm glad we did. 
Uh, I will say this, Jason, you know, my brother was a huge fan of yours. I know I was a lot of kids were, uh, I can honestly say this. And I mean this with complete, uh, this is a completely positive comment to you. You were one of the most, uh, violent players I've ever seen. <laughs> you, you, you were just a man. You were a football player, my friend. Uh, you, 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 you maybe, maybe you were a bigger guy when you were, a, you know, growing up as a kid, but you weren't that tall. You were mm-hmm. just a, a tough nose football player. I, I mean, you played, you played, like I said, you played on all those three uh, CIF football teams you were just, uh, you were nasty. You were so fun to watch. I felt like you made every tackle all the time. <laughs> Quite often, I know you loved hitting people. And, and man, uh, you were a guy, when, when we showed up, and, and I know my dad even loved watching you play. He's like, that Ramos guy is a monster. He's an animal. And uh, so, yeah. but compliments to you, brother. You were you inspired a lot of kids to be to be tougher and more nasty football players. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I tried to. I got at some point where I just realized that, like, if if you went if I slowed down, that, that there was a chance I was going to get, you know, <laughs> I was getting nailed. them. my thought was like, go as hard as as hard as I could, you know, every every play and 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 give my all. And um, and and I learned, you know, I got I was lucky to play with my brother who was was could hit hard um, and being able to see him and, and follow that uh, just being like, I want, you know, I want the way that I know I was looking up to him. I wanted people to look up to me that way. Of, like I was giving me, giving my all every, every, every play for, for, for my team. And, uh, and yeah, I, I tried to hit our, didn't always, didn't always work out in my favor, but, uh, but I, but I tried and I, I, I appreciate that, that that was, uh, that was noticed and all those hits were, were being seen. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get too graphic here, but I mean, I, I, I remember my brother, we still talk about, I remember the night you broke a dude's femur. I mean, you probably felt horrible, but it was like, that's a tough bone to, to break. And, oh my goodness, dude. Yeah. No, I, I, I remember that. I, I, I mean, I, I felt bad. Obviously I, n- I never want anybody to, to get hurt. Like I was Correct. You know, being on there and going hard as you can. And uh, yeah, I remember that that uh, I was watching the silent that, that uh, actually played before that, that guy had hit one of our guys on, on a blocking play uh, pretty hard. Um, and, and so I knew I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm going to, there's going to be a play where I'm going, I'm going to be in that same position. And I was like, I need to make sure that I go just as, as hard as I can go because I know he's going to come hard. Um, and I think just that like double, double force just, just didn't <laughs> go so far as yeah. Which, yeah, I feel bad, bad about, but uh, you know that's just kind of the, the the way I play it. I try to go as hard as I could each play, and then uh, kind of relax. I think just my personality is very chill, but on the football field, it gave me a chance to like really just get some aggression out and and have some fun. <laughs> Dude, I think that's a that's a very good uh, point. Is that yeah? For people who don't know you, you're you seem to be uh, just very cool, calm, collected, you know, kind of not really quiet, but just kind of go about your business in a, in a humble way. And then, man, you put on a football helmet and, and, and strap up and it's like, Oh boy, here, <laughs> this guy is just a different person. The, the switch was flipped. So, yeah. Oh man. I remember, yeah. I remember uh, growing up, like when, when uh, Mr. Clark was, was coaching, he was, I remember he used to tell me all the time in high school, like we thought like you were, gonna be because I was a big kid they were like oh man we're coming to Rio he's gonna be this huge kid just dominating and then uh I didn't grow anymore I stayed five eight a buck 75 
he was he always gave me a hard time about that but i was like yeah i thought i was gonna be a big kid too but i guess mentally i kept thinking that but <laughs> not the size of the dog of the fight size of the fight and the dog right and yeah, exactly man, exactly pound for pound man seriously I, i've seen a lot of football over the years being a referee uh working different levels and i can honestly tell you man you're you're, you're one of the the most pound the best football players i've ever seen pound for pound uh, something that that uh, anyone should be proud of, and I know your your parents were probably really proud of you and, and your brother. And and just real quick on that, what was that like playing with your brother? Because didn't you you got to play with him when you were a sophomore and he was a senior? Is is that right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Actually, we played. So I came up. So we lost. Uh, I don't, you know, we lost championship my freshman year by two points. Uh, Antelope Valley. Yes. Valley. Twenty-eight, so, twenty-six. I remember it well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we get into the some play calls that were there, but uh, <laughs> umpires, so, uh, we always go back because there was a, a legal head slap that was called on one of our guys that gave them a, a, an extra down. Then they end up scoring and then and we always yeah. go back to that play and watch it on video. And, you know, I remember at the time being like, oh, that, you know, that that referee had it out for us. And then, I you know, now I go back and I was like, that guy was just doing the best he could and making play calls. He didn't, he didn't have any vested interest of us winning or them winning. Um, but, uh, but it was just unfortunate at that time, but, um, but yeah, I, then, so then that really drove us coming into that next year. And, and it was, for me, I was, I was so lucky to be able to see my brother and his work ethic. Like when we were doing 30 second drills, right. Um, you would jump over, like you had to jump. I don't know if you guys had these, where you had to jump back and forth over like the, a line, like the 20, 20 yard line back and forth mm-hmm. um, in 30 seconds and do all these different drills. Like he would pull out a bench and put the bench and he would jump over the bench right um and uh, nobody the coach didn't tell him to do that nobody you know he was just you know i'd see that and everybody just be like the crazy ramos over there you know jumping benches and stuff and uh, <laughs> it just you know it, it helped me being able to come up in the work ethic of seeing that and making sure that i focused and make sure that i was working hard um throughout you know each practice whether it's 30 second drills either at the beginning or the end of practice um so it really helped me and then it's just so much fun being able to to, to play next to him i, I wish going back that i really could have enjoyed it more. I think I was more just so focused and energy of like winning, you know, winning the game and being focused on the game versus a hundred percent taking in how much fun I was having, you know, and the, the, the chance of playing with my brother, but, uh, but it was awesome. Like being able to, you know, and, and also knowing that for me, like I could run around, do whatever, knowing that, that he, he had, he had my back, you know, that he was going to, if I messed up, he was going to be there to, to fill that hole. So, uh, so it was so much fun. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man! That that what a what a privilege. And Dave, you know, not not to take anything. I mean, we're we're interviewing you here, but but Dave Ramos, as many people know, incredible football player as well. I mean, you could definitely yeah. tell you you guys were related uh, <laughs> by the way you guys played. Uh, again, tough as nails. I know your dad was proud. I remember your dad. I mean, your parents. I remember him sitting in the stands. I, I remember your dad, and it was like, oh, that's that's Mr. Ramos. That's that's Dave and Jason's dad. And he would, he, at least to my uh, knowledge, he, you know, he would just sit there kind of like observing. Uh, he always struck me as like this quiet guy that was just so proud of his sons. And just like, you could see, okay, I never really talked to him or anything, but I was like, you yeah. know what? I, I could see where they get their toughness from. And just, the, you know, that guy right there. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. He would, he would always film our games, which now I realize like had to be so hard of like filming your kids, you know, cause like, I'm watching my nephew. You want to be like watching the game and like, you know, yelling, whatever. And he, he's just, you know, watching the game. Every once in a while he would say something, but you know, most times just watch it, filming the game so we could watch them afterwards. We'd 
you know, it was that class. We'd play the game, go home, watch the game again. Um, I can tell you, like, every play coming up, be like, oh, watch this person at this play because, you know, we'd watch so much tape and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, he, he, you know, we got, we got for sure our toughness, our strength, all that stuff from, uh, from him. <laughs> it's fantastic, man. Uh, I, I love – the, the real Hondo prep family. I love when families of RHP pl- football players, like their connection to the game. I mean, all of our dads, all of our parents, they, they loved watching it. I, I interviewed Mr. Uh, Dan Baumgartner recently senior and heard from him from a parent perspective, what it was like. It's just so much fun to talk about these things. Um, you were part of some amazing football teams at Rio Hondo. Like I said, three times CIF yeah. champs, uh, yeah. You guys, I remember you guys jumped on the scene, uh, River, big, bad Riverside Christian. They thought they were big, big, bad and tough. And number one versus number two in the middle of the season, I remember going out there and, and you guys just took it to them. Uh, Jacob Blake, yourself, uh, all your teammates uh, just uh, unleashed on them and then uh, beat them either later that year in the final, or maybe it was the next year. I don't remember, but I remember that first time playing them and uh, you know, it was like the first test. And, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> Rio, Rio yeah. just did some great things in, in those late nineties, man. It was great. We, we had a, you know, we had a lot of, uh, like in general, like most, you know, good athletes that were, you know, again, all of us playing sports obviously helps coming in, but yeah, we had some, we had some, some, some really good athletes. It was, it was fun to, to block for, for Blake and see that guy run. He, he is so fast. Like he looked like he was so smooth. Like he looked like he was just effortless, but he was just pull away from people. Um, I remember having to try to tackle him like on the, you know, in practice and, you know, a couple of times being like, man, this, I'm glad I don't have to tackle him. Uh, <laughs> we just, we just had a good, good string of, of athletes. I think my class was, was, was pretty, uh, you know, pretty strong. We had a good variety, good round, rounded athletes of, uh, and, and being a great quarterback and, you know, uh, Perry being on the line and, um, and Seth beat Seth had such, Seth had such great hands. He'd always seem to make the catch when, you know, I go, you're like, oh, you know, you look at it, you're like, oh, you won by 30 points. But, you know, you go back and you're like, yeah, but at this point, the game was real close. It was third down. We were about to turn it over, then going the other way. And but Seth made a great catch and gave us first down and we ended up scoring. And then you pull away and then, you know, it, the rest is history. But you kind of look back and there's those plays where, um, you know, without those, it could have been a whole nother kind of switch in the game. So, uh, so we had a good, a good, uh, good realm. Uh, of, of athletes just across the board that the underclassmen were great. Um, you know, yeah, I felt like we had a good span of, of athletes that just were, I think just kind of always coming through, you know? Oh yeah. And, and it felt like, man, I felt like your whole class played varsity as sophomores. It felt like anyway, and just, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. And, and then, yeah, you guys are I mean, senior class. You guys are part of all, all, all your guys in the senior class are part of, you know, three different uh, championships uh, for Rio, the last, well, let's say not the last, because because uh, we took one home in early early two thousands, but uh, just just amazing times. And, and Jason, on top of all that, I mean, I loved watching you play basketball. You were my kind of guy, undersized, uh, going after it with the, with the big guys. And then your baseball team, the very the first uh, team oh, get to the CIF. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I know you guys did Man. it all. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was one of those things where um, you know I look back and. and uh, you guys kind of talked about this a little bit, Mr. Johnson, Rick, uh, in terms of that year, you know, wasn't the best. I don't think it was the best athletic baseball team we had in the last few years. Um, but Mr. Loomis and Mr. Horton coming in, um, they really, you know, before that, when we had practices, I used to wear whatever jersey I wanted. You know, everybody wear whatever jersey they wanted to wear. 
different colored pants. Everybody was kind of just, you know, there was nothing with practices. Um, and they came in and they, they were like, all right, do you guys want to, do you guys want to win a championship or just play? Like, we're going to give you a chance to pick what you want to do. Do you win? If you want to win, this is what's going to happen. If you don't, we'll keep going this way. And we're, you know, we all voted and wanted to win a championship. And so they're like, all right. So they, we got new baseball uniforms and the old baseball uniforms we had to wear for practice. So we were all uniformed, which seems like a small thing of like, well, why are everybody going to wear the same uniform? That's not going to make you a better player. I always feel like it's that whole thing of like, look good, feel good, play good. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we looked uniform. It, it helped us be disciplined. We worked on a lot of things. And, uh, and so, um, it, it really, it really, um, led to, led us to making the, making the finals. And, you know, uh, we just fell a few, a few runs short, but, um, it was, it was still a great, a great year. And, um, you know, something that we can hold our hat on now that, uh, that we made it there. Yeah. You guys, you're an amazing team to watch and, you know, we all loved your, your football days, but man, that, that baseball year, I remember it was like, for us, we were like, let's see, 99, I was, uh, I think I was eighth grade. And for us, we were like, man, maybe baseball, you know, is something we can really pursue and try to do good at as well as the other sports. And, you know, I really think uh, it is really cool to see Rio Hondo win their first baseball title, uh, you know, yeah, last awesome. season. I mean, just, it's just these, when these things happen, you know, I've been out of high school for 17 years now. And, but when those things happen, I'm like, you know, you just kind of pump your fists like, yeah, way to go. Well, Jason, I do want to ask you uh, one thing here. You know, one of my really good friends is Fred Monteblanco. He he follows the the show uh, a lot. He, he listens almost uh, every day or, or when he can eventually. But I told him I was interviewing you and he goes, oh, man, uh, you know, Jason Ramos. I mean, one of my just idols growing up, he he coached me, uh, me. And I think his, he said your brother Dave coached him as well. Uh, so yeah. so so I, I want to let you give a couple of uh, minutes here. Just talk about, you know, guys like Freddie Monteblanco, because even today, these are guys growing up doing their own thing, but they still look up to guys like you. Yeah, I, it's funny. Yeah, I, I, I listened to when you had Fred on because uh, I've always been. Yeah, he was uh, coached him. Uh, he was a great, great athlete, but a fun kid, just always goofing, having a good time. Um, him and uh, Gabe Prez, I remember uh, together uh, coaching those two, and and kind of you know, you know when you're. It's funny. I don't know. I do this. I don't know if other coaches did this too. Of when you when when I had coaches, I kind of look at different kids and and kind of be like, oh, I think that kid's going to be. Uh, be an athlete or, or, or that sort of thing. And it's fun to, to kind of watch and see if they end up being an athlete or not. Uh, and, and Gabe and Fred were both the two that I uh, kind of watched and, and kept track of. And it was fun to have that connection and be able to, you know, come back and watch the games and, and, and see them, see them play and, and how they played the game. And um, yeah, it, 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 it was fun. It was fun to watch them play to stay connected and to then, you know, kind of keep up with them through social media and stuff and see how they're doing. And, all of that. So yeah, he he's definitely. I have a I have a a, a picture of uh, we're all in the Indian Indian club room, um, and all the kids are all taking a picture, and Freddie's in front with like a big smile, arms open. Uh, so I always crack up when I when I see that. <laughs> I love hearing stuff like that. I mean, I see so many different people and talk to so many different people, I should say, and it's it's funny to that, that a lot of the listenership I found is because I've talked to a lot of people from Rio and care and, and to see where everyone has gone in their life and, and 
just to tell some stories and, and all these different things. So uh, it, again, we keep coming back to this. It's just one big, uh, it's all comes around. It's one circle. Yeah, for sure. And like, and, and, you know, it's fun to see, you know, it's awesome from what his, his mom is, uh, you know, graduating college now and all that stuff and seeing that and she was, she was one of the one that was, she was a great parent that was, you know, always, you know, smiling and joking and, and communicating and, um, you know, was, you know, being able to connect with them and, and his whole family and his siblings and then being able to just watch them grow and get older and, you know, seeing them now, it's like, again, it's one of those things that make you feel old when you're like, oh man, I remember when, you know, his little brother was coming around, you know, watching him and stuff and now being like, you know, wherever they are now being, being an adult, it's kind of, you know, or, you know, kids, you know, uh, kids having babies and stuff. And you're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. like oh yeah, yeah. You're older now and married and all that stuff. So uh, it is it's definitely fun. But it, it's all, it, you know, it's been great, like, keeping in contact, you know, with social media, being able to see, like, um, you know, a couple other kids that I coach early on, uh, Dave and Chris Flagg and uh, Kevin and Terry Heinrich. Um, I don't know if you knew those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, those, you know, watch, you know, they were, they were part of the first kids that I, that I um, was able to, to coach when I was, I think, eighth grader um, and seeing them and, um, you know, and their, their mom was, you know, so great. And the families were so awesome, but uh, just being able to see them, them grow up and uh, being connected and, and seeing them go their, go their ways, you know, away from, from, you know, either within Rio or away from Rio. And it's been, you know, it's just awesome to have, a, uh, have those memories and those impact that hopefully, you know, you gave back as, as people have given back to you through, through coaching. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I think it speaks volumes when, when these people talk about uh, their, 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 they reflect on their days uh, as a young kid and, you know, some of the people like yourself that they looked up to. And I mean, it just speaks volumes. And, you know, uh, Jason, I want to mention two names right now um, that I'm sure had a tremendous impact on you. Um, Randall Johnson and Gary Lunny, two legendary football coaches at Rio, but two just amazing men. And uh, I know Mr. Lunny is the defensive guy. He just absolutely loved using you as a weapon. Uh, you know, I could see his big smile right now, uh, just talking defense. And yeah, we got Jason Ramos and all this and that. But just, I mean, both men have have passed on. Um, Mr. Lunny more recently. And you know what, just, just, if you can take a few moments to, to talk about both of those men. Yeah. You know, they, they, um, they gave, so they gave back so much again, as you, as you get older, you realize, you know, it wasn't just, you know, Mr. Lunny and, and Mr. Johnson didn't show up on, on Friday nights and, uh, and win and coach and win games. Right. Or they didn't show up at practice, you know, they didn't come 10 minutes before the practice and be like, okay, hey, this is what we're going to do today, right, and make stuff up. They, yeah, as you go back, they put so much time and effort of, you know, how many things that we didn't see them of going and scouting, going to watch other, you know, on, on their, you know, they had life, they had families, they had all these things, but going and scouting and, you know, looking at the teams that we're going to be playing and preparing for them and coming up with schemes and, um, and plays and things that were going to work and, you know, all that. The more I, the more I look at it, the more I understand how much time and effort they put in to just coaching football. Never mind all the other stuff they were doing, whether they were teaching or, um, you know, preparing to coach other sports or, you know, Mr. Johnson preparing to 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 plan a a summer trip where we got to do so many awesome things. Um, they just, yeah, they just, you know, that's one thing that I would look back and even appreciate more is how much um, time and effort they put in 
to to make sure that we were prepared and ready to go and and never uh, never never get an accolade for it in terms of not looking for that right of of I may have got a a sack on a on a on a blitz play that you know everybody's cheering my name or whatever but it was because Mr. John or you know Mr. Lenny called that play right um, or set set us up to be in a position to you know to make the play um, and he would just you know I, I, a lot of times you just catch him you just look over and you just you know, he'd, he, a good play would happen. He'd turn and just walk away with a smile, um, knowing that he, you know, that he was, he, you know, that he, he had played an impact in that. And, uh, and that's something that I always, uh, I always appreciate that they were just both very like, Hey, they're the ones that set us up to be there, but um, you know, they let us, they let us get out there and, and play and have fun. And um, you know, both of them, I have Mr. Jonathan, I have, you know, always have a memory. He would just, you know, I, I ran the ball um, in, in my senior year um a little bit and uh you know I, I tended to fumble every once in a while and you know he would just he would you know Jay he'd come over and he'd grab my shoulder pad and um and he would just you know kind of just talk to me a little bit and he would you know both of them had a thing where they for me like never got mad because they knew that I knew that I had messed up but he would just say something to me and uh, you know, I'd be like, I know Mr. Johnson, I know I won't do it again. And then I do it again. He'd be like, Jay, like, I won't do it next time. Um, but he had this thing where he would like, come up and he would, you know, hold your shoulder pad and he would just kind of talk to him and be like, Hey, what, you know, what, what do you think we should run here? Just kind of, you know, um, and he had just, just some, some, some great, you know, we didn't run a ton of different plays, but the plays we, we ran, we ran them to perfection. We ran them well. And, you know, Mr. Lenny was, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed, playing defense and, and playing for him. And like, I would part of the, a lot of those things running through those big hits were him, you know, wanting to do it for him. And, and, you know, I'd run through a brick wall for him and, you know, he, we would work on stuff. Like I was big with him on uh, did he tape. I'd watch tape. I mean, I could tell you every player that we were going to play and what their tendencies were and all of those things, because I'd watch tape that he went and filmed or was a part of, and he would talk me through stuff. And, you know, I'd remember messing up on a, I was, it was funny. I was just watching this tape the other day. My dad gave me a DVD that he had changed from VHS to DVD. And I was watching, a, a, I think it was the Faith Baptist game and uh, my sophomore year, which was an awesome game um, to be a part of, but uh, I messed up and he, and he, cause he told me the play was coming. He was like, Jay, the reverse is coming, the reverse is coming. And then they ran it and I still bit the other way. And I'm, I'm looking over and he just goes, Jason, Jason. And I look over and he just looked at me. I'm like, and we both know. And he just kind of laughs like, Hey, I, I told him, I was like, I know I messed up coach. And he's like, you know, he didn't, he didn't yell at me. Just, we made that connection and he was like, okay, turn around and get it the next time. And, um, you know, just such, such great, um, just great men, just, you know, wonderful to be around. Like Mr. Mr. Lunny, I got exposed to a lot because he was, he was my teacher, um, you know, English teacher. Then we were also in, in music together. And, um, you know, like everybody says, that smile is so contagious and his laugh and, you know, telling stories and, um, was was uh you know just a wonderful person that impacted a lot of they both just you know impacted a lot of people in different ways and um and and specifically for football like I look at that and you know the the things that they those I don't know I look at the the way we ran stuff and and I wonder why more teams don't run it because things were so um (laughs) it just made so much sense and they just had all the things kind of figured out and just a a great mind to to visually see those things and understand how it worked and um you know I, I could go on and on about about, about <laughs> playing football for them and getting the opportunity to win, you know, three championships. Almost a champ. We almost won four, and um, that wouldn't have been possible without 
the you know the schemes that they they've had developed over the years and um you know for for us and then like i said they also led by example um which was which was i think mo- more impactful than anything else yeah 100 percent. i mean they they were guys that you know would would teach you something but at the same time you know you look to them as men that you wanted to be like and you knew they had their own lives as well and just a great example we, we definitely miss them both uh, they did they had such a tremendous impact on so many young men on the football field uh, other areas too but i think football was was really what they were both uh, passionate or most passionate about uh, and, and were just uh, the relationships they had with, with so many different young men was just phenomenal. So it's fun to hear from other people talk about that stuff. Uh, Jason, kind of, kind of one last thing I'd like to kind of discuss is, you know, we're in this very odd time <laughs> uh, here, here in 2020. I mean, there's, there's uh, you know, you talked kind of a little bit about the COVID lockdown changing, uh, you know, your YMCA work. Um, having an impact there. We have uh, all these protests going on. We have some rioting uh, as well. I mean, statues are crumbling. There's, um, I hate to say it, but there's this like target uh, against law enforcement uh, there, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is, is troubling. I know there's a ton of issues and, and people are very emotional right now. I mean, what can you say for just here we are. Uh, it's June. It's 2020. I mean, what are your thoughts on just where we're at in society these days? Uh, I mean, I hate seeing law enforcement uh, treated how they are, and, and I know they've made some mistakes as well. But I think the overwhelming majority of them are really uh, in a in a thankless uh, position right now, and, and just the the emotion of, of uh, everyday citizens and kind of. I mean, we're very divisive right now. You're either any word you say or anything you post is scrutinized and everyone wants to fight. It's just, it's just a really frustrating time. And, and so what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's, um, it is kind of, it's a crazy time. I think for me, you know, I look at it and, and I think a big, big part of it is, is um, educating, learning and being willing to have a conversation. Um, you know, you, if you say whatever you say, one side or the other, either you have, the people that back you and they're all for you and the people that are against you are against you. And there's, there's no, um, I feel like everybody's very defensive and there's no, there's not a conversation that's happening of an understanding of being able to get in a room and say, why do you feel the way you feel? Right. And say, well, this, okay, I see where you, where you feel. And this is why I feel my way and, and have a conversation. And you might not walk out of that room, both on the same page, right. Um, when people believe strongly about something, you know, you, when you have a strong belief on something, um, there's usually not one thing that someone's going to say that's just going to change your belief to the other side, one way or the other. Um, it takes, it takes again, it takes a conversation, it takes education, it takes understanding. And I think we're in such a thing where you you can't have a conversation because if you say one thing that's different from what someone else thinks or feels, it becomes a a, a blowout versus a a conversation. Um, I I. It's funny, funny if I was listening to a, a pod, I was in a podcast with Joe Rogan. He was, he had this guy, Daryl Davis on who um, is a, an, um, a black man who has um, kind of converted inadvertently or, or directly a lot of um, KKK members um, away from that kind of view and that lifestyle. And I remember, you know, I heard, you know, that was kind of like the, 
the title for it. And I was like, oh man, like I want to, I want to hear what this guy says or does to make somebody go from hating somebody to not hating them. Right. And I was like, I'm going to listen to this and I'm going to hear what he said and, 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 and find out what that is so that I can maybe be helpful in, in those kind of things and, and, and whatnot, and just kind of hear that. And, you know, you're hearing him talking, you're hearing him go through and, you know, over a couple hours, like he never said that one thing that he said that changed, that changed the view. And so part of me was like, Oh, like he, he didn't, where's that one thing. And, and, and I was waiting for, it wasn't, it wasn't there. And, and it, it made me realize there wasn't one thing that he said to somebody that just made them change and not hate somebody anymore. What, what he did was, and when you hear him, is he, he would sit down and have a conversation with somebody. He'd be chair, like chair to chair in a, in a you know, we talked about being in a hotel room face to face with the, with the ex or a KKK head person. And that person sitting there telling him why he doesn't like black people and, and the things. And, and, and I'm sure most people, you know, and Joe Rogan asked him, like, how did you not like, you know, want to do something crazy when he said certain things that he said. And the guy said, cause I wanted to understand. I wanted to learn. I wanted to have the conversation. Did I agree with those things? No. And I was there to show him that through conversation and understanding and intelligence and, you know, communication that, that those things were incorrect. But he's like, but if I would have just, you know, if that would have just been a blown up conversation in that hotel room that they both would have walked away in the same position. Right. But they, they had that conversation and then there was more conversation and then ended up leaving that person eventually ended up changing their views. And it didn't happen overnight, but it happened through conversation and communication and understanding, right? And that you can not agree with somebody, but still be able to have a conversation, under, try to understand where they're, at least where they're, where they're coming from, right? And you may, again, you may walk away and be like, that, that <laughs> you're still in different places. But I think if you can understand where people are coming from, then we can start moving forward on, on certain things and understanding that I think on anything, you could find the opposite of, of anything you want to find, right? Like you find a bad cop, you find a, a lot of good cops, right? Uh, my, my, my brother's a, a sheriff and he's one of the best, one of the best guys I know um, in terms of doing the right thing, right? He wants to do the right thing always. And he wants to be, he got into it, not because he was trying to catch a paycheck. He got into it because he wanted to be impactful and change lives and and get bad people off the street and and be be there and I know other um, officers that are wonderful people who have gone through a crazy amount of stuff to um, and they keep going back into it because they're trying to make a difference and trying to be um, impactful and 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 those there's not one person in terms of like the the George Floyd there's not one person that I've talked to officer related that have said. Uh, yeah, well, it, he, he was doing the right, they all agree that that was what he did was, was wrong and should, they, he should be punished for that. Um, but I also, the other side, that there's a lot of people that are doing good and want to be impactful and want to do those things and, and want to wanna learn and want to get better and, um, and, and are there, if my brother had the option, he was like, could he be a high school football coach wrestling? Or a police officer, he would love to not have to be a police officer. He loved to be a college football, but there was there's a need there, right? It wasn't just this just happened out of nowhere, right? To me, there was there was a need for for police officers to to come in and 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 play that the role that they play. Yes, can there be conversation about reform and and ways to to do either better training or um, better focus in other places? Um, I think yeah, of course. I think that's part of the thing is having the conversation and not being a direct 
get, I feel like you get, again, you get into this thing where you have to be, get rid of the police or keep the police, right? It's like, no, there's, what do you mean? Like, why does it have to be a total one way or the other, right? Like there can be conversations about how do we make things better? How do we, do we, you know, I, again, I, again I'm going to tangent, but like I was involved in the, um, the Route 91 Las Vegas shooting and, uh, you know, I got shot through, through my boot and my pants leg my wife got shot in her foot. Um, and, and, you know, we're in a situation where there were bullets, like, I didn't know this happened, but when bullets are flying near you, you can hear that you can hear the crack of them breaking the sound barrier because they're so, because they're close, that close to you. Um, and, and I didn't know that until then, like, right. Like hearing that crack and, and afterwards having a conversation with my brother being like, they're like, yeah, that's like the sound, like, that's the bullets cracking because they were that close to you flying over your head. Um, and, and we, we crawled and we, we ran and, uh, you know, and, we, and as I have this image of running out of that, that venue and there's four officers running. And, and at that time we thought, I, I thought the, the shooter was inside the venue, right? I didn't, we didn't realize that it was, he was shooting from a hotel room at that time. Um, and as we're running out, there's four police officers with their guns going in, going into it, right? And, and trying to stop the situation. Um, and I just remember running and being like, I'm running for my life and, and they're, they're going in to protect. I'm sure most of them didn't know anybody in that, in that venue and they're going in to protect us. Um, and, and I truly believe that that, that that guy would have shot more into the crowd if he wasn't worried about police officers coming in and, and, and getting to him. So he was constantly, I think his breaks in the shooting, which we were running for our lives, was him checking to see if people were coming down the hallway and shooting at people down the hallway. And, um, and so to, to me, I look at that. And if, if there wasn't a Las Vegas police department at that time, like I may not be here, me and my wife may not have been here. Cause there would have been that many more bullets coming down, coming down on us. Um, because if there was no, if I'm up there and I'm not worried about anybody coming to get me, like he never would have had to stop to check anything. Um, and, and then once we got away and we were hidden, um, and we were waiting for help and, you know, my wife's bleeding and, you know, we're calling for help. Like imagine in that situation of how many people there were in different hotels in different rooms in different places hit, hidden, not knowing what's going on, not knowing if there's more shooters, all this stuff happening and how many people it took for them to, you know, they had to come to us and they came in with SWAT team and, you know, came in the door to make sure we were safe and no one else was there and then escorted us out of the, out of the danger zone. And, um, you know, I look at that and, and that took, uh, for them, it took courage. It took, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of that, um, thing that I, again, I look at and, and, and again, you know, people could say, if you would have told me before that situation, would you ever be in a in a country concert and get shot at <laughs> like, that's like a, no, like a, that would never happen. And now, now it has right for me. And so, I also see that uh, maybe I'm looking at like the, the highest denominator on the other side too of, of how dangerous things can be. And that person, that guy was like, you know what I mean? Like he, he wasn't, um, had nothing to do. He was shooting on people with all different race had nothing to, it was a white guy who was doing the shooting. Um, and, and in terms of race, he was just trying to kill as many people as he could. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, I, maybe if there were, you know, put more money in like programming, maybe he could have been in a program that would have helped him, but maybe he just also had a screw loose and, and that's going to happen. And, and again, 
to have those people ready to go that they they ran into the into the danger right like for again getting shot and hearing those bullets coming is the scariest feeling that I, I think you don't you don't really feel it unless you're involved in it um, and and asking somebody to run towards that that's not in the military right um, to help go save somebody is 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 is, is a tough thing to do. And a lot of people do it because they, they knew that, that they needed to, that's part of their job. They wanted to help somebody and, and they did. And like I said, I, I don't know if I'd be here if that person would have had more time to shoot more often and wasn't worried about anybody getting there for a while. Um, Cause the response could have took way longer if there was, you know, again, if there was not a police department, if you're looking at the, at the extremes. Right. Um, and so, so that's why I feel like you have to not kind of grow that whole level. You got to understand that, they, they are being impactful in that we've had those experiences for me that, that I, I wouldn't be here possibly without that. Um, again, does it say that all, all, all cops are, are good? No, there, there are bad. And, and those, we had to figure out a way to, to, to prosecute those ones that are, that are doing bad things and that, and, and, and that level and, and whether it's prosecuting those ones and then developing things to help, uh, reform police and and also I, I do agree I think if you're looking at the lowest common you got to go back to right more we need more if we're looking at programs like we need more programs like like care and the why and those things that can help support um, families that are going up to to have good role models to to help give them give people these things to become positive you know young young adults um, so I mean I know I'm kind of going all over the place but uh, again, going back, I think it's you got to be willing to have the conversation and have the conversation not with somebody you agree with, right? I always like me and my brother talking about some the other day about uh, what we were talking about, but it was you know like kind of talked about saying like when when you're trying to when you believe in something, don't necessarily try to go find all the all the facts that support you. Like try to find the facts that that you know go against you, right? Try to prove yourself wrong. And to really be open to looking at that other side, um, so that helps you, you know, helps you again spark the conversation. Have that. Um, I feel like if people are, if if you're scared to have those conversations, then maybe it's because you're worried that your side might be proved proven incorrect, right? Or you might learn. I don't know if you might learn something, um, but I feel like again, it starts of having the conversation, be willing to hear the other side, knowing that. Um, you could you could walk away the conversation it doesn't mean you have to walk away from a conversation totally changing that person and then changing you it's just having the understanding of where they came from how they got there um and and how we can move better to, to ultimately become a better you know i'll say race not just you know uh, you know america the u.s like just in general so that we're being kinder to people and and wanting to see um you know the good things and that that we have versus kind of seen all the negative stuff so i don't you know i don't know i don't know if that really <laughs> answered uh the question i know i kind of again like i said i kind of get on tangents are going um but but again i i everything i i, I look at like i it, you know um i look at like having conversations about religion right like i have my beliefs um and when i run into people that have different beliefs i don't i don't try to convert them to my belief i don't and I don't not talk to them about it. I'm like, let's, let's talk about it. I want to hear about your, your religion and, and why you, why you're that faith and what brought you there and what are the things that, you know, 
because I want to I want to hear that. I want to understand that how that how that develop you know help develop who you are and what that looks like. And um, may walk away from that conversation saying like you know if I'm scared to have that conversation maybe I don't have a strong belief. Then you know I'm strong in what I believe, but I want to have the conversation. And, and if over time that changes, maybe it does change. Maybe it doesn't change. Maybe we walk away and we're both like happy in, in our in our beliefs and our conversations. But being willing to to have the conversation, I think, is is key. Well, Jason, uh, I'll be honest, that's probably the most powerful uh, few minutes we've ever had on on our podcast. I didn't want to stop you. Uh, I really appreciate all the things you said there. Um, talking about law enforcement, you know, sharing with us your, your experience um, on that tragic night in Vegas. And just you're, you're right, you're 100% dead on about having a conversation. And I think a lot of times when 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 there's conflict, as soon as people, everyone wants to prove that they're right, uh, instead of sometimes just stopping to listen, and you don't have to uh, convert one way or another, but uh, if, if we don't hear each other, um, we're never going to get any progress. So that is just some powerful stuff. I, I definitely got to go check out that Rogan interview. Um, just just phenomenal. And I really appreciate your thoughts on all that. Um you know, man, it's been far too long, uh, <laughs> and it's just incredible to hear um, from someone like you that that a lot of us looked up to uh, as kids, and you know, haven't really had a chance to really uh, hang out with as adults. But but uh, you know, I, I would like to change that. It would be great to see you sometime. Um, just just thank you so much. I, I can't think of another. A, a better way to really end the show than, than all the things you just said. So I, I just, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate everything you just said. I, I thank you so much uh, for, for being on the program and, and for continuing to be a, a young man that, that uh, a lot of people can look up to. I, I appreciate that, Matt. I think, um, uh, you know, it was great being on here. It was fun to have a conversation and, and uh, catch up and yeah, definitely um, need to hang out sometime. And, and, you know, I'm sure, you know, it's always great getting together with, with, uh, you know, people from the past and reminiscing and talking stories and laughing and, and, um, just, you know, enjoying the, the, the past and, and talking, you know, where everybody is now and how things have, you know, where you, you've ended up and all of that stuff. So I appreciate it. You know, thanks for getting me on this podcast. My first podcast, uh, actually my second podcast, I did one with the Y, uh, so my second one, uh, but, uh, it, it's great. A lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, thanks. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, uh, I can't wait to post this. I know a lot of people are going to be intrigued and really uh, enjoy listening to uh, to uh, catching up with you. Uh, c- continued the uh, best, continued success with with your work in the YMCA. I know you're you're making a great impact there. And uh, you know what? Uh, God bless uh, the Ramos family, your brother Dave, uh, your wife, your parents, everyone. Uh, you know, er- everyone in your life. Um, just, uh, I, I wish you all nothing but the best. And thanks again for joining us, Jason. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Matt. And same, same to you and your family and all your listeners. Um, thanks again. Real big thank you to Jason Ramos for joining us on the program. I can't say it enough, Jason. That was uh, just a Powerful interview. Really appreciate your thoughts on so many different issues. Uh, some fun memories for sure. And thank you for sharing uh, some topics there towards the end. Just really appreciate your time. 
look forward to uh, catching up with you soon. Uh, you know, we talked off the air that we don't live too far from each other. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have to get together here very soon. So uh, my best to you, Jason, your wife, your, uh, your brother, your family. Just uh, God bless the Ramos family, man. And it was great talking to you. Well, guys, tomorrow is Wednesday. We all know what that means. It is Wednesday, so it's the weekly Wednesday weigh-in with Bill Barnes. He's back again. The retired police officer and recently retired college baseball umpire will join us for his weekly segment. He has some strong thoughts on what's going on. I'm sure he'll have some comments regarding uh, uh, perhaps maybe Governor Newsom uh, in recent days. I don't know. But uh, Bill's here every week. Love him or hate him. I think those who have listened to him know kind of what he uh, is going to bring, the different thoughts and opinions. And you know what? Uh, like I said, uh, he's not for everyone, but he's here for us every single Wednesday, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Looking forward to our conversation with Bill Barnes tomorrow on Wednesday to start us off in the month of July. Can you guys believe that? July 1st. I can't even – man, it's crazy. Time is moving too fast. Uh, they always say that when you're uh, – you know, time's move or excuse me, what do they say? Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Well, I guess we've been having too much fun on this podcast, and uh, – we need to slow it down a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, in all seriousness, with the, the quarantine and lockdown, I mean, I think people want time to move a little faster and to get us get us moving ahead to the month of July and August and then uh, September football season and you know, into the holidays. Before you know it, yeah, it'll be an, another 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 New Year. So, anyway, enjoy the time while it's here, guys. Uh, <laughs> is I guess what we're trying to say. I mentioned in the opening, if you go to the Anchor app. Guys, there is a segment on there, a feature where you can leave a voice message to our program and then we can play it if, uh, you know, if necessary or it fits the criteria, kind of what we're looking for. Uh, any topics or questions, if you want to be a part of the show, uh, maybe not do an interview, but just want to, you know, send in a question or a topic, by all means, go right ahead and do that. Uh, leave a voice message for us. We operate through the Anchor app, but wherever you listen to us, we really appreciate you doing so. We're, we're there on Apple, Spotify, and a few other platforms, but Anchor is where we operate out of. Anchor really does make things easy. I say it every episode, but they really do. I am the least tech-savvy guy there is, and they have uh, been there every step of the way for me, really uh, mapping it out and making it just a lot easier, except for the whole audio issues, which I'm still working on, so bear with me. Uh, guys, we have a Facebook and Instagram page. Get Home Safe Podcast is the name of the page there. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod, and our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you don't want to leave a voice message on Anchor, you can do so uh, through uh, email or on our various social media platforms. We'd love to hear from you. We already look forward to uh, next week's interviews. Uh, we have a few more interviews this week. Of course, Bill Barnes tomorrow. Who can forget to that uh, as our weekly Wednesday weigh-in segment? Looking forward to talking with him tomorrow. I can promise you, uh, you know what? Bill's fired up as always, and he gets six days to kind of blow off some steam, and then he's ready to come on here on Wednesdays and, and vent, uh, vent away for us. So, guys, be ready for some Bill Barnes this week. Uh, more interviews. Uh, before you know it, it'll be the 4th of July. We'll have plenty to talk about that on our Friday's episode, just as a heads up. So stay tuned for that. But, guys, whatever you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. <laughs>